0: Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can.
1: Hey Soul Sister, as many of you know, because I talk about it a lot on the podcast, I run a charity that helps women begin their lives again who have escaped domestic violence and it's called Got Your Back Sister. As you can imagine, I meet many women from all walks of life who have or are currently rebuilding their lives again after losing it all. Their finances, their home, their dignity and relationships too. Through running the charity, I've observed that some women really struggle to rebuild their lives for many reasons and end up in a state of being stuck in life. Other women I see have a real determination and resilience to make their way through the world and to work out what they really want in life and to go for it. I love hearing those stories of those women that have tenacity and resilience because it's super inspiring. It's, it's wonderful to hear those stories of women who put it out there and just go for it and especially those women who have been metaphorically in the fetal position in the corner of the room totally down and out. But for whatever reason, they've made the choice to rise and to go, this is not for me, I want more in life. I love meeting those women. I know that I need to pick me up from many, many times. So it's it's always wonderful to hear those stories and learn about the learnings of women who've had to rebuild their lives again. I know that I've been very close to that, being in the corner of the room in the fetal position, that whole metaphorical picture. And it's a really, really horrible place to be at the time. You know, many of us have been there through marriages ending, the death of someone close to us, relationship breakdowns, financial breakdown, mental health breakdown. So I'm curious as to how we rise again. What does it take to rise again? So today I've invited into the podcast studio one such inspirational woman because I'm so intrigued by her story, how she financially lost everything and had to rebuild a life for her family. Hello, my friend Lisa Gill. Hi, Mel. Thank you so much for coming in here today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Is it your first time in a podcast station? It actually is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a little bit daunting. It's a bit <laughs> little, especially this one. It's wonderful and very technological. Thanks, Mel Sarge. But it uh, it's got all the good gear. We're good to go. Yes. Well, it's exciting, and I just I'm really really excited to share.
2: Actually, so thanks yeah. for having me.
1: Yay! Thank you. Thank you for coming in. So Lisa, I know that it can be quite difficult sometimes for many women to share their personal stories, so I'm really grateful to you that you have come in today to do that and and what you've learnt on your journey on the way, because I think it will be wonderful for women who are looking for a bit of inspiration and a bit of hope of how they can rebuild their lives if they need to. Okay, so let's go to the beginning of (laughs) your story. You were living a happy life on the Gold Coast. What did life look like for you then? look on
2: the outside looking in it would have looked amazing and it's funny because I think what drove me back then was what my life looked like to the outside world. It's crazy because it was so superficial when I look back on it now but it looked great. Um, It was great but I actually didn't stop and realise how great it was. So we had our beautiful home, we were you on the canals in the Gold Coast? No, we were out in the hinterland, so oh, out the back of Munduribar, so oh, a little, nice. little tiny town called Bunogun, yep. and we sat in a big Queenslander at the top of the hill and looked out over the entire valley. It was just beautiful, and yeah. when you drove out of town, the Gold Coast is so crazy busy, and you'd literally drive out of town leaving work for the day, and you'd just leave everything behind you, so it was just beautiful, relaxing, Green, it was just everything I'd ever wanted. This beautiful white Queenslander sitting on top of the hill, beautiful pool, beautiful piece of of land. A couple of kids. Yep, we had two kids. So, two boys, and I've got two stepchildren as well. Yep. So, four kids between us. Yeah. How old are they? 24, 23, the two step kids, and then 16 and 11. Bit of a spread. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Kept us busy on the Gold Coast. Gosh, my husband had his own business. He built concrete swimming pools. So, he put pools in people's backyards and had a great business he'd been in business for about 12 years. And you
1: started off in the cosmetic medical industry and started
2: your own consultancy as well. Yeah, so I had spent about 10 years managing one of the big clinics up there. I loved what I did. I absolutely loved it. But I didn't love being the first one there in the morning and the last one to leave in the afternoon, especially when I was pregnant with my second child. I just thought, I cannot keep working these hours. And I'm sure many people would feel the same. So I left my position there and actually thought, you know what, once I had Andy, my youngest, let's go and just keep working in that industry so I can sold it back to plastic surgeons just helping with it's such a niche market on the Gold Coast so helping with their marketing going and doing some business systems for them and things like
1: that so. It's interesting you said something a minute ago about from the outside everything looked amazing and and it's funny because as when we're young and we talk about what it is that we want in our life it is it's like the house the car the job it's all those things that people can see. Yeah it is and you know what? It's everything that
2: I wanted even growing up. So you're yep. right. It's something that's in your mind and it's locked in that subconscious mind too. So
1: Well, it's something, in espe- especially in Australia, your parents go, you've got to save up and buy a house and it's, it's a status thing to yeah. go, I'm living a good life. Yeah. You know what? I think it's
2: becoming less of that now, but certainly, yep. you know, this is 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, yeah. And on <laughs> the Gold Coast, <laughs> yep. it's kind of everything. And Do you know what, though? I never once sat and thought I have exactly what I've wanted. I was thinking, now I want to go and live on a canal. Now I want to go and live on the beach. And now I want this sort of car. And yeah, I never stopped to appreciate what we had, not once.
1: Wow. And it's, yeah, you're always striving for more, but it's more in a material sense.
2: It was very much so, yeah. I hadn't connected to that bigger purpose. Yeah. And the universe certainly gave me the big kick up the backside that I
1: needed. Okay, tell us about that kick up the backside.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, back 10 years ago when the GFC hit Australia, I think here in Newcastle, everyone was a little bit, fairly insulated. So it, so it was about 2008? eight, two thousand Well, actually 2010 was when it hit the Gold Coast. So 2008 was when it all happened. Yep. It took a couple of years to filter through to where we were. But the Gold Coast is run on tourism and construction. And both of those things just died. You know, It was cheaper to fly to Disneyland than bring the family to have a holiday on the Gold Coast. So with tourism dying, people were losing jobs. There was not the same construction. It got to the point where people couldn't pay their mortgage. In the Gold Coast, I'm, I'm sure I can remember the Gold Coast as being one of the highest areas of banks calling in their mortgages because the prices of houses had dropped so far that people owed more than what their house was worth. So it was pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. So no one could pay their mortgage, let alone put a swimming pool in their backyard. So my husband's business went really quiet. And, you know, the first thing a lot of businesses cut when things get quiet as well is advertising spends. They didn't need me helping them. I don't know. It just got so quiet, the whole Gold Coast. Wow. So we were sort of, gosh, lay awake at two in the morning thinking, how am I going to keep my head above water? And then you have all these solutions coming your way, which is actually putting you in more debt. You know, the banks are happy to give you more money. Here's some money to yep. get through. Here's some money. It's like, I can't see a way out of this. So in the end, we had to decide to sell our home and actually put every piece of money we made... Back into the business so we could actually just walk away and not have to go bankrupt. So that was a blessing that we didn't have to do that.
1: Because you don't want to go bankrupt, hey? There's too many restrictions if you go bankrupt.
2: I saw my parents go bankrupt and they never recovered from it. They never owned their home again. They always just, it just took them out emotionally as well as financially. And I just, I thought, I can't let that happen. So we avoided that from happening by selling the home and you know made a decent amount of money off off the house but it all went back in to wind the businesses up so we could just walk away with not owing anything yeah but we walked away with nothing and that was when we went to a a family function and my cousin was working in the mines in Musselbrook at that point so I was born in Musselbrook
1: yeah Musselbrook girl like a hunter girl yes
2: and my dad worked in the coal mines there so I think in my subconscious mind that was security to me so
1: So you moved your family. We moved back to Musselbrook. From the Goldie. From the Gold Coast. To (laughs) Musselbrook.
0: Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. But I
2: have great memories of Musselbrook growing up. You know, everything, it was all just sports.
1: and barbecues
2: with friends and family on the weekend. So a town is what you'll make of it. So and, and
1: for those people that are listening, those of you out there who are listening and you don't know of Musselbrook, and to be honest, there's probably many of you that don't, <laughs> because it's a it's a small country town inland in the Hunter Valley and it's predominantly made up of coal miners who worked in the mining community up there.
2: Yeah, that's it. And it's very transient now, so yep. lots of people come in going, shift workers, and every second weekend people clear out of town and come down to the bay or somewhere like that. So that's where we ended up, but it was the only place where there was work and yeah. we needed to get back on our feet.
1: And I'm just going to say as well, again, for anybody who doesn't know Musselbrook, Musclebrook is probably a 12-hour drive from the Gold Coast where you were living. So it's not even like, oh, we're just going to go an hour away. You have moved your life mm. and 12-hour drive away to a different state. Yeah,
2: and it's... You know, skipping ahead, there's so many people who say to me, now, oh, you're so lucky, it's like there was no luck involved. We had to make some pretty hard decisions, and I'm one of six children, and my dad had just passed away the year before all this happened. So my mum was up there, my all of my sisters and my brother were up there, it's like, and Wayne's two step two children, my stepchildren were there, and we had to make the decision to actually leave all of those people just to find a job and get some money coming into the
1: household because we had nothing. And do you know what? It can actually be really difficult to get those mining jobs. I know many a young man who would kill to get... A good mining job because they pay so well, but you've got to be in the inner circle generally to get one. Mm. It's a shame.
2: Uh, we are very grateful that we came when we did because we did get in just before the mining boom then yep. was booming when we moved to Musselbrook and then it went quiet too and quietened down. So we were so lucky yep. and grateful to get in when we did. So, yeah, so we picked up the family, moved to Musselbrook with zero in the bank (laughs) a heap of debt that we still had to pay off so we managed to pay all the family businesses that we worked with and that just made us be able to sleep well not really sleep at night we didn't sleep but put our head on the pillow feeling okay about ourselves
1: not not going oh wow I've left so many people in the gutter like you exactly. know like I've, I've put other people out of business you can go I can hold my head yeah. high. And that was
2: the one thing I refused to do people said to me you don't have to give your share of what you made from the house to Wayne's business and it's like yeah I do we have to be able to walk away from this as good people so.
1: That's really good integrity.
2: Well that's all we had left. It's literally all we had left. All you had well, so. <laughs> your integrity and your values. <laughs> yeah, so we drove away and I remember driving away from my house and realising as I drove away from it that it was my dream home and I was the last one there cleaning and Wayne kept saying to me, my husband, stop cleaning, you know, it's the people that come in will clean it. You know, I've got to go. over." I said, no, I need this to just be beautiful when people walk in. So I was the last one there. I locked the house up and I jumped in the car and we lived at the top of the hill. And I was driving down the hill and I just thought, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back. And I did look back in the revision mirror and I saw our house and I just thought, oh my gosh, how did I let this happen? Like it just came over me, the reality of what was happening and driving away from that. I just thought I will never let that happen again. I don't care what I have to do. I will find a way to get that back for my family, no matter what it takes. Did you cry? Oh, God, yes. I wasn't a crier. <laughs> my, my mother used to call me an ice queen because I just could not show emotions outside of the shower, basically. Um, but, yeah, I cried. I cried solid for six months, I think. So, but wow. And you have to go through that. You know, I was not metaphorically the one in the corner in the fetal position. I was literally in the corner in the fetal position. Wow. But do you know what got me through was the kids because yeah. it was an adventure for them. They just thought, oh, wow, we're moving, we're going. to." So we stayed in a house on the Gold Coast for a month. Wayne moved to Musselbrook by himself and slept on a mattress on the floor of the rental that we got. And then I came down after I'd wound everything up. And so the two boys and I were left at home and they were just excited because they had a new place to live. And then all of a sudden we were moving to another new house and... So they got me through because I was putting my adult emotions into them thinking this was the end of their life as well, but they saw it as an adventure. So they got me through in the beginning just because I thought, okay, well, and you know what, it's the boys, it's actually the two of them are what got me through the period that we went through, but also they're the reason why I jumped in and did anything I've done to get through it because my sole purpose was to give those boys their bedroom again. Yeah. We moved a lot as kids. So when my mum and dad lost everything, we moved from rentals all up, like not through different towns. We grew up and we left Musterbrook and grew up in Byron Bay. I was very lucky. And we moved a lot from rental to rental. And, and I would look at my cousins who still lived in the same house they were born in basically and their bedrooms are still sitting there actually. Yeah. And I would be so envious that they would have their bedroom and not have to move. And so my one thing was from the day I had children, security – safety of their own their own home, a bedroom they know they can always come back to. And so when I drove away from the home, that was what gutted me the most. So what's driven me every day since is to give them their own bedroom again. And we're right now building our own home again for the first time in nine years. Oh, so good. Yeah. So Congratulations. <laughs>
1: Congratulations. So tell me, you arrive in Musselbrook. Your hubby's already been down there living on a mattress on the floor waiting for you to arrive with your boys and you move into a rental. What was life like every day?
2: Well I don't know how but I kind of took on the strength for the family. Well I do know how actually it was having the boys to take care of and you know the first six months were tough. It was really tough and I did cry every day and I would not sleep you know, my bottle of wine at night became my therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was the only way I could actually escape from just... There was zero hope. There was zero hope because Wayne was going to work and earning a great income, but I thought, gosh, even if we keep doing this for 10 years, we've got all this debt to pay off and then having to try and save for another house again. I just couldn't see hope anywhere, I looked.
1: So you're just getting up, trying to get through every day... With that spark of hope gone and trying mm. to numb yourself with some Vinos at night. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Oh, we've all done that. Yeah. We've all done the numbing yourself and mm. with the vino at night sometimes to get through. Yeah. So that was where
2: I was. And I kind of wallowed for about six months. And then I was given by my beautiful aunt a CD to listen to. And it was a Wayne Dyer CD. Oh,
1: how good is Wayne Dyer?
2: Oh, my goodness. It, I say Wayne Dyer saved my life.
1: Wow. If you're listening and you don't know who Wayne Dyer is, he actually unfortunately passed away about two years ago, but he's one of the awesome Hay House gurus. He's written many books, many CDs. You can look up his lectures on YouTube. Such good stuff, Mm. practical stuff, just – and woo-woo stuff, everything just to help you get through life. Can I ask a question, Lisa? How were your friends, the people in your life? Did they stand by you or did some drop away?
2: I – Dropped away from them. Okay. I was just so embarrassed and I felt completely responsible for what had happened. Yeah. I had actually made the decision. Well, I didn't make the decision. It wasn't mine to make. But I had really taken an idea to my husband and said, look, I think we need to – as things were getting a little bit quiet, I said, I think we need to get ourselves out there and be more visible. We'd run the business from home for, you know, as long as I'd known Wayne – And I said, I think we need to step it up a notch and let's become more visible. Let's go out and rent a a shop space and have a beautiful display centre that people can walk into. We were starting to work with really high-end builders. And so I said, we need somewhere beautiful. When these people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a pool, we need somewhere beautiful for them to walk into and do their selections and things like that. And so we'd gone and rented this space. Yep. And then things got extra quiet and that's when everything fell apart. So I personally wore the blame for what happened for months, months, months. Oh, wow. And That's a lot to bear. So I, I was blaming myself. Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed because we'd had this massive fall from grace. <laughs> 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 and, you know, moving towns was maybe a blessing because no one could see how our circumstances had changed. We just said we were moving for work. So I kind of lost contact with most of my friends from the Gold Coast Yep. and years later trying to reach out, I don't think people understand how ashamed you sometimes feel when when you feel that the way that your worth is on what you have and the material things in your income and your car and, and things like that, that's where I was, that I was only worthwhile if I was successful in all those areas, yep. and so when all of that was gone, I felt like I wasn't worth anything, so I stopped ringing my friends. I was the one who let go of all of those relationships because I was too embarrassed to be vulnerable and tell them what I was going through.
0: Want to fill your soul with more? Go to sisterco.com.
1: That's a massive mind shift from where you'd been. Absolutely, yeah. You know, we
2: were always aiming up and all of a sudden in one foul swoop to be down, it was like, how can I tell the world what I'm going through? That's just yeah. shameful and embarrassing.
1: Yeah. And did Wayne Dyer help you with that?
2: Absolutely. It started because he talks about how he forgave his dad. And so learning about forgiveness for me was huge. And I really had to work on forgiving myself before I could let go of the shame and the embarrassment and have any self-worth again because the forgiveness is the first step I feel in getting through. I've had other things happen in my life and forgiving yourself is probably the first step because you hang on to that and it affects you energetically, emotionally, spiritually, everything it affects you. And so for me to be able to forgive myself, there was a great quote from Maya Angelou and she says, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And so I just hung on to that quote for years and just thought, well, I did the best I knew. I did the best I could and now that I know better.
1: Something happened to me in the last couple of years that I personally felt quite ashamed about and it wasn't anything – too deep or dark with anybody people it's okay but it was something internally that I was um, ruminating on I guess and I finally shared with somebody about what had been going on in my head what I had been telling myself and I built up this real shame story in my head and I told a friend of mine and it felt like such a bearing of my soul to go I've been feeling this way and (laughs) she's like oh love like seriously that's not even a big deal what are you so worried You're like, <laughs> you know, and, and I was like it was so wonderful and it, and I needed somebody to say that to me it's okay it's not that big of a deal you've just built all that shame up in your head Yeah. and it was actually really freeing it was wonderful so I kind of get sometimes you need that help from a friend or a mentor or Wayne Dyer yeah, <laughs> so someone. <laughs> someone to actually help you work through all of that yeah because
2: gosh, what we say to ourselves, you would never say to your closest friend. Our own self-talk does so much damage. And I remember hearing, I don't know if it was Wayne Dyer, actually, it might have been another book I read that's called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And understanding that your words that you say to yourself have such a huge impact. What I was saying to myself was not nice. (laughs) So to be able to hear, and you know, this is why I'm so happy to share this story now, is because when you can hear other people going through the same thing, it's not just you. And it is okay to ask for help and it is okay to feel the feelings that you're feeling. And then it's, who can I gather around me to help me through it? So forgiveness and letting go of the shame and the embarrassment was the huge first step. And then it became about gratitude.
1: So you're in Russellbrook. When did you make the move to Newcastle? And is was that the beginning of you really st- of you starting on a new business journey for yourself?
2: No. So when I moved to Russellbrook, uh, for the first six months, we kind of just got up every day and coped with life. And I got a phone call out of the blue one day, and it was from a recruitment agency, and they said, "Look, we have a position that we think you'd be fantastic for. Would you come down for an interview?" and I said, how do you even know who I am? (laughs) Turns out my husband had dropped my resume into a recruitment agency because he wanted me to go back to work. (laughs) So here I am sitting at home thinking I'll just do the mum thing and recover and get through this time and just got this phone call out of the blue and went down and saw them and it was for a, a role in a coal mine near Singleton and it was a good job and it was in the accounting department and so I thought, okay, this is something I could do. And it was great money. We needed the money, but we had no family in Musselbrook. All my family was on the Gold Coast. So I'm thinking, well, how am I going to juggle this? So I took the job and started working. So from Musselbrook to Singleton, where I got the job, is a good 50 minute drive. Yep. And I actually drove the long way because I was listening to Wayne Dyer the whole way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I needed something nicer to look at than just the highway and the the freeway. So I started driving out through the hills and looking at the beautiful horse studs and farmland and beautiful hills and just so that I could drive to work each day and feel okay and be surrounded by nature and, and just feel some gratitude for what was around me. So I was working there. The first week that I was there, I knew that it wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd gone from working in these beautiful offices on the Gold Coast in plastic surgery centres to a dirty coal mine. Like it's <laughs> not nice. And I just thought, this isn't me. And I thought, okay, I need to do something really different. In the background, I'd started my own business with a company called Arbon. And I wasn't feeling great in that space because I just it just didn't sit well with me at that point. I didn't know how to do the business, basically. The stigma that comes with the network marketing business, all of those things were going through my head. So I went back and did it the traditional way, but it was tough. I was the first one at daycare in the morning, knocking on the door before they opened. The last one there in the afternoon, picking the kids up after I'd been to work. Wayne and I were just passing through, you know, she was passing in the night. He was getting home from night shift. I'd be in the car ready to back out the driveway. Our life was chaos, but we knew we had to do that, go that extra mile to earn the income that we needed to get on top. So I'd worked there for about a week or two and I thought, I've just got to do something to get out of here. And I remembered I had this business sitting in my lap and I thought, okay, I haven't found anything else out there that could literally pay me tens of thousands of dollars a month, which is what we needed. I think I'm going to have to really try and do this and give this a go and try and make something of our lives again. And nine months later, I was able to quit that job at the coal mine because of my Arbonne business and just get all that time back and that freedom back. So the business took me then to a conference in Vegas and I was sitting in the the crowd in Vegas listening to a speaker on stage and she was talking about the things that she was most grateful for. And out of all the money, the trips, the jewellery, all of those sorts of incredible things that come when you're at that level and earning that sort of an income, she said the thing I'm most grateful for is that my children – have been able to grow up surrounded by world-class thinkers that know there's an amazing life out there for them and it's just up to them to go and grab it and run with it. And I sat in that crowd and I thought, okay, I need to get my kids into somewhere bigger. (laughs) And I rang my husband from Vegas and said, we're moving to Newcastle. And he said, what? I said, we're moving to Newcastle. So we've been down here for five years now and I haven't had to get another job down here. I put my big girl pants on and learned how to build my album business and that has what has completely helped to change our life.
0: Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram.
1: So I'm going to be honest, I've always been a little bit scared of multi-level level marketing businesses probably because I don't know much about them and to me they seem like there's a lot of hard selling there. Is that how you found it? Or did you have to go out and do some hard selling?
2: I think I chose not to which yeah. is why for a couple of years I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I just thought that's not that's what wasn't sitting well was having yeah. to cold call people or back then we weren't text messaging and there was no Facebook you had to ring someone so I'd have two champagnes and get the Dutch carriage up to ring them and it just I don't know it just didn't come out well because it didn't sit well inside me. But... What I realised was the more I learned about the industry and the business model was it can actually be whatever you want your business to be. Yep. And I just decided I needed to find a way that really sat well with me to reach out to people. I believed in our product 100% because that's my background. I worked with plastic surgeons. I knew the product I had. I had no problem actually sharing the product because I knew people needed to use products that were really safe for them to use, that would work. They were already spending their money somewhere All I had to do was give someone a sample, they'd try it and they'd buy it. My issue was sharing the business because of that same stigma and the thoughts that people have about the industry already. But when I switched my thinking and learnt more, I realised that there are so many incredibly wealthy people in this world doing so much good and they can afford to give back so much and they can afford to live these incredible lives because they've had a good idea or they've been really great at something, they've been had that entrepreneurial mind. And I thought this is a way for people who haven't had that big idea, who haven't found their purpose yet and their passion, this is a way for people to build an incredible income for themselves and their family and the only way you do that in a business like this is to help a lot of other people along the way Yep. so it started to tick all the boxes yep. and so rather than having to be a hard seller and make it about the product the business is a solution for people who don't have another option at the moment and need an income so as I said if I ever got nervous about calling yep. someone or just having a conversation with them I would just sit and remember my why as Simon Sinek says and yep. Just imagine my two boys walking into their bedroom again when I gave them their own home and that would give me the courage and the motivation to get up every day and just keep going and keep talking to people because it's all it is, is talking to people to see who's tired of having no money or doesn't know another way to get out of the ditch they're in or needs more time with their family. You know, there's so many reasons why this business can tick a box. You offer it. If they want it, they want it. If they don't, they don't.
1: Yep. And so you've totally managed to build that business where now you're you're achieving, you're about to ch- achieve your goal. After the GFC and selling your home, the whole big change of life from the Gold Coast to Brook. you're about to give your boys their own bedroom. Yeah, we are. And it's
2: not just my business that's done that. It's Wayne's, you know, Wayne has moved. He's now one of the supervisors at work. He's just, it's both of us together making a decision. And the decision is the big part of it. Once you have a decided heart that you're not going to settle for what life was giving you, you can take control of your life back. We both decided together that this is not how we're going to be defined for the rest of our life. We are not going to let this take us out forever. He has a saying, Wayne always said to me whenever I was having my downest day, he would say to me, Lisa, good things happen to good people. Just get up and keep going. Yep. And it does. Good things happen to good people.
1: And so now your focus once upon a time on the Gold Coast was probably, as you were saying, a little bit more materialistic. And now your whole purpose is actually just providing for your boys. It is. But you know what? Every day I woke up,
2: especially through those first six to 12 months after everything happened, when you wake up every morning and you've still got your family that loves you, you realise that's actually the most important thing. The house doesn't matter, the car doesn't matter, the income doesn't matter. As long as I could put food in our fridge and have the boys around me, that was happiness. And I actually had not felt that before because I'd been so busy worrying about what do I do now? What's my next job? What's my next promotion? What business can we open? You know, I was so focused on building the income because I didn't want to be where my parents had been. I forgot to actually... Remember to stop and love and feel the emotions of life and experience the joy of every day. And that is actually the most important thing. And that's how I've been able to be so patient. You know, I said, that's it. We're going to be back in our own home again in two years max. And two years and it didn't happen. And that's when Wayne started saying, just be patient. Good things happen to good people. But the more you become content where you are and feel gratitude for where you are and it's the relationships and that inner peace everything else will happen. It doesn't have to be right now to make you happy because that's not what happiness is all about. So it's been nine years of personal development, nine years of really, really working on my mindset and that's a daily task to do that. Nine years of just learning how to love and appreciate everyone around me and be grateful every day that we get to take a breath and wake up and now nine years later, it's the right time for us to be in our own home again.
1: So I was about to ask you, what are the key things you've learned on this journey about life? And I think you just named it. Gratitude. Gratitude. Joy. Yeah. Do you know what? Long my sense. word for last year was joy. And I promised
2: myself that every single day I would stop and find something to be joyful, a moment to be joyful in. And you really start to appreciate different things. You know, my gratitude list changes so much depending on the state I'm in. But if you can wake up every single morning and
1: sit in gratitude and stay in that energy all day,
2: good things happen.
1: So to wrap up, what would you say to any of those women who I mentioned in in the intro to the podcast, those women who have been through a terrible time, whether they've experienced abuse, um, you know, marriage breakdown, death of a family, financial breakdown, mental health breakdown, and they're struggling and they're stuck. And they're, Probably have an idea they would like more, but they don't know how to get there. What's some advice you would give to those ladies? Well, first of all, and not just ladies, people, sorry. Yeah. Well, first of all, give yourself some grace
2: because it's real what happens and it's real emotion that you're feeling, and it's okay to sit in it for a while. And I don't think I could have, you can't just jump forward from something like that and pretend it never happened. You do have to deal with the emotions because that's your your heart and your energy are responding as well as your mind.
1: And some people go, be positive, be positive, be positive. And it's like, mm. actually, I just need to feel this for a yeah,
2: while. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's absolutely fine. But then once you've you've allowed yourself to feel that, do you know, I, I honestly believe that every single thing in my life, I've contributed to that happening. So no matter what happens, I sit and reflect And it's an amazing time to reflect and think, how did I contribute to that? How can I change that so it doesn't happen again? So maybe have some reflection as well. Start journaling. That can really help. But then it's all about your mindset. And if you can start working on the mind, you know what I found fantastic when I was first going through this was listening to podcasts with oprah winfrey and Myra angelo and find people like that because they're really good at sharing stories yep. and when you can sit and hear people who have been through what you're going through or worse and they become these amazing human beings you find that's where i found my hope I found my hope again in other people's stories. So get out and half an hour every single day, make it your purpose to listen to a podcast or read a book that's going to actually feed you and give you that hope back and then just focus on growing you because it's like when you put your oxygen mask on in the plane. Until you have your mask on, you can't help anyone else. So if you're in that space where this incredible trauma has happened, allow yourself to sit in it. Start working on your mindset and just start feeding you because when you start to feel better in yourself, you'll start to attract amazing things into your life as well.
1: Yep. And be wise about who the people are that you have around you.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Put some boundaries up.
1: Absolutely. Something I talk about regularly in the Hey Soul Sister podcast each episode is be really wise about who the people are that you have in your world and do they lift you up or maybe they're not so great for you. And having those beautiful people that lift you up, have your cheer squad there, I go that as well can help you do amazing things.
2: Absolutely, because you actually have a strength in you you don't even know is there. And those sorts of cheerleaders around you will help pull that strength down and just breathe belief into you.
1: Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on and sharing your very, very personal story with us today. And high five to you for rebuilding because, again, I know so many women that would love to but struggle to get there for whatever it is that's going on for them. So thank you so much for sharing your story. And I hope if anybody's listening that may need a little bit of inspiration that you've been able to give that to them today. Mm. Thank you for having me. I hope I can too. Thank Thanks,
0: Thanks, for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at com.